0: Be inspired, supported, and empowered. This is the Global Healthy Living Foundation podcast network.
1: Welcome to The Health Advocates, a podcast that breaks down major health news of the week to help you make sense of it all. I'm Stephen Newmark, Director of Policy at the Global Healthy Living Foundation.
0: And I'm Zoe Rothblatt, Associate Director of Community Outreach at GHLF.
1: Our goal is to help you understand what's happening in the healthcare world to help you make informed decisions to live your best life.
0: Today, we're going to talk about COVID, the recent rise in cases, and what's the same and what's different during this new phase. But first, we do have a few news updates.
1: Uh, CDC panel recommends RSV shot for infants. A few episodes ago, we reported about how the FDA approved an RSV shot for infants. And now the CDC panel is recommending the same.
0: Yes. Yeah, so it's the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, and they voted unanimously for this shot to be given to babies under eight months who are entering their first RSV season. And the other group is those ages 18 to 19 months who are at increased risk of severe diseases if they're entering their second season of RSV.
1: Yeah, the panel also unanimously voted to include the new drug to the federally funded Vaccines for Children program, which would provide the shot at no cost to eligible children whose families are unable to pay.
0: And this monoclonal antibody is actually the first of its kind to be widely available beyond just like a small population of immunocompromised children. The other options recommended only for high risk infants who are born severely premature at 29 weeks or earlier. So it's exciting to see approvals here for some more children. Yeah,
1: it's great that we now have a preventive shot for infants for RSV. RSV was one of those multitude of illnesses that were floating around in the ether last winter and certainly put a little sliver of fear in the air. So hopefully one less thing to worry about.
0: For sure. And we already have the RSV vaccine for adults age 60 and older. There might be one coming soon for pregnant women. So, you know, we're seeing good advancements here on protections for RSV.
1: Excellent. Excellent. We'll up on drug shortages. We've been hearing here at GHLF from our patients about issues getting methotrexate. Either they have been denied the pre-filled syringe and had to go to a vial and syringe. I, I don't know if you've heard of that, Zoe.
0: Yeah, that actually happened to me. Oh dear. I got denied my pre-filled pens and had to go to vial and syringe. And oh. when I went to the local pharmacy, it was out of stock. They were able to order it, but they had a lot of questions on when the next shipment would come through. I ended up getting it fine, but I've definitely heard the same thing. From a few people in the community. Actually, someone just reached back out today who was having issues and they said their pharmacy got them a three month supply of methotrexate. So that was really exciting to hear from them about that update. So I would say if you're having trouble getting it, definitely talk to your pharmacist about options like getting an extended prescription. So, you know, when there is supply, you can get it. I also heard of another patient saying that there's a distinction between methotrexate with preservatives or not. And they spoke to their pharmacist and doctor about it because one of them was in stock versus another, there would be a delay for and they figured out that they could take it. So just it's important to talk to your doctor and pharmacist about the different options during this time. And obviously, we want everyone to have access to regular treatment. We know how hard it is to get disrupted and delays. You know, of course, the physical impact is obvious, but it's really like emotionally taxing to have to go through all of this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's awful. You know, there's no sugarcoating it. That We live with these chronic conditions and now more things are put in our way, more barriers, if you will, are put in our way to obtain needed medications. All we can do is power through and fight through and do what we can. And I would just say, if you're having issues, please do let us know at GHLF. You know, we will do our best to continue to advocate on a more global level while everyone advocates individually for themselves. We'll do so on a a larger level.
0: Definitely. And you could always email us at advocacy at GHLF.org and we'll get back to you.
1: Great. Well, Turning to our main issue today, an issue that I think you may have heard of, this disease called, what is it called?
0: Uh, Does it start with a C? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: yes. Gosh, it's terrible to talk about yet again COVID, but um, we actually put together this episode with the intention of just giving a generic update, but unfortunately, we are seeing an uptick in COVID around the country. So let's get into it to see where we are currently. So. Summer 2023 update. We are in a very different place than we were, of course, six months ago, 12 months ago, 24 months ago, but COVID-19 is still around and I hope you continue to join us as we continue to relay information relevant to our community. So here we go, our current state of affairs.
0: Well, just a pause there before we jump into the current state of affairs. I think it's really important because public health messaging has been dwindling and I don't know about like lacking, but it really hasn't been as much as it has been around COVID. So I feel like it's really important yeah. that we dive into these updates together especially for our community who's hungry for information we still send out biweekly newsletters with covid updates but it's an important time to take a pause especially as we enter the fall season
1: yeah for sure we've spoken about this many times on the podcast but covid-19 as with other illnesses is different if you have a chronic condition it's different of course if you're elderly So it hits different portions of the population differently. And for our population, it still matters. And, you know, frankly, it should matter for everyone. And even if you don't have a chronic condition, you likely don't want to contract COVID, but also you don't want to spread COVID to others who are more vulnerable than you are.
0: So let's jump into the state of affairs. We had what seemed like a quiet few months here in the U.S.
1: Yeah, it was great.
0: Now we're seeing an uptick in cases. There's actually a new variant, which we'll get into a little bit uh, more in the episode. Um, We're also seeing a rise in hospitalizations. It's not a concerning amount, but it's definitely still something to be mindful of.
1: Yeah, I know, absolutely, absolutely. You know, according to the CDC, there's three early indicators that are starting to rise. Wastewater, emergency room visits, and positive tests. Now, to be fair, These were at very low levels just a few short months ago. But still, we are starting to see increases, which is not surprising. We've seen this sort of southern summer wave throughout the pandemic. It gets very hot. People go back indoors, get in their air conditioning. So it's not unsurprising, to say the least.
0: Right. Like that just jogged my memory. Like Delta got big in the summer. What was that? Two years ago. So it's Mm -hmm. definitely not surprising. But this is definitely like much less severe than Delta was.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, some good news. Since late January 23, excess deaths have reached pre-pandemic levels. So we return to our pre-pandemic levels when it comes to excess deaths in the country. And this has been a, a massive reprieve, of course. Now, not to be morbid, some, there are some reasons for this. Uh, and one of them is morbid. And that is essentially you can't die twice. COVID-19 has made its way through a lot of the most medically fragile people over the last three years. And those deaths perhaps are leading to fewer deaths today.
0: And also just immunity from either the vaccine or contracting COVID. Majority of the population probably has some level of immunity now and it's holding up to keep us protected and reduce death rates.
1: Yeah. So we'll be watching as the fall approaches, which is the traditional start of respiratory illness season in the U.S. So we'll see what happens.
0: Well, also, Stephen, we've been talking about, I feel like in our news updates a lot recently, how millions of Americans have lost Medicaid, especially when the public health emergency ended in the last few months. It's been a really big surge of people losing coverage. So I just wonder how also that'll impact case rates this fall.
1: Yeah, it'll certainly affect access to treatments. And um, I don't know how it will affect actual case rates. It may be that when you don't have insurance, you're less likely to proactively seek out medical advice generally, which may mean you don't seek out the vaccine come the fall, which could have an impact. It could also have an impact on the numbers in this regard. Uh, Folks who don't have insurance are maybe less likely to show up at a hospital or a doctor's office. So those particular numbers may not be reported. So we'll we'll see what happens.
0: (laughs) That's literally the motto with COVID. (laughs) We'll see what happens. We're always chasing this ever-evolving virus. Yeah, I know. So the new variant, We got another kid on the block, EG5. It now makes up the largest portion of new COVID infections in the U.S.
1: Okay, yeah, I know EG5. It's been nicknamed Eris. The WHO designated Eris as one of its, quote, variants under monitoring. So it is not yet a variant of interest or concern. Monitoring is a lower designation, if you will.
0: That's good.
1: Yeah, I guess that's good. It's part of the Omicron chain. It's, uh, as with other Omicron variants, it's less invasive and less lethal in the body.
0: And similar symptoms to look out for, cough, fever, chills, shortness of breath, fatigue, muscle aches, headaches, runny nose. Those seem to be the symptoms for every virus. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Hard to distinguish what's going on, but if you have symptoms that <laughs> get checked out.
1: So we'll see. I mean, the prediction is that EG5 may be responsible for more hospitalizations, but it's not... Increasing the number of cases in intensive care or deaths. So keep our fingers crossed on that. Now, the big question, of course, is whether our new boosters are going to work against EG5.
0: That is a good question. As we know, health officials have been preparing for this fall with a new COVID vaccine, with the formula targeting the XBB subvariants that have accounted for most of the infections in 2023. So it's different than what we previously got, that always had the original strain and the vaccine.
1: Yeah, the rise of the uh, new subvariant highlights the public health challenges we've been talking about with COVID. You know, trying to constantly keep up with this ever-evolving virus, which is why other measures are so important, like masking washing hands, social distancing, you know, when the need arises.
0: Yeah, like it's so important to keep up with all of those measures. It does seem like there's enough overlap between these variants that the new booster will protect against EG5. But I guess, like we said before, the motto we will just have to wait and see how it plays out in the real world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what's different now that the public health emergencies are over? or at least the declaration of public health emergency is over in the United States?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. You know, resources to combat the virus are not the same like it was. It's a big push to get resources, especially when it comes to testing. Um, We don't have the free test through the government anymore. And major insurers also stopped paying for over-the-counter tests once the requirement ended.
1: Yeah, you know, testing, of course, is important for both preventive and before a gathering, for example, or if you're experiencing symptoms, to not go out out into the world and spread the disease. But if you don't have any more free tests or if you're very limited in the amount of tests you have, you're less likely to do that.
0: And you know, as hospital admissions going up like we said, it's more important to have testing available to like you said stop the spread, but also try to reduce some of the stress on the healthcare system if we're able to test proactively and reduce cases and reduce hospitalizations and keep the healthcare system running as it should. So what's next? Like, what should we be on the lookout for in the next few months in the U.S.?
1: Yeah, the COVID-19 modeling hub, which is comprised of eight academic teams across the United States, just released their projections for the next two years. And they predict that hospitalizations and deaths will likely stay within last year's range, which is unfortunate because it means we should expect to lose about 55,000 to 450,000 Americans on, depending on how things go due to COVID-19.
0: Well, that's not a cautionary tale to get your vaccine. I'm not sure what is.
1: Yeah, and and speaking of vaccines, we're waiting still for full vaccine eligibility decision from the CDC, which we anticipate will happen sometime in September. So stay tuned. And of course, we will report on that.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, we'll definitely report on that. And the bottom line is just COVID cases are increasing. Don't be surprised to hear if people around you are getting infected. You know, it's not a reason to freak out. We said it's part of the Omicron lineage. It's not as lethal or severe infection. So those are all pieces of good news. Yeah. And we'll just see where this leads us.
1: I think that sounds right. And I like what you said. Don't freak out. It's going to happen. You know, cases are going to increase and it's going to fluctuate probably forever, but no other reason to freak out.
0: Okay, Stephen, that brings us to the close of our show. What did you learn today?
1: Well, I learned during our discussion about the new EG5 variant. I frankly was not that familiar with it prior to our prep work for this episode. So we'll see where it goes. Hopefully, we'll never hear of it again. But I learned what it is. And I also learned what a variant under-monitoring is with designation by the WHO.
0: And from you, that last point about the COVID modeling hub, and just hearing about how you know we've gotten better projections for the next two years, as opposed to where we've been in the past with uh, projecting COVID cases.
1: Yeah, well, we hope that you learned something too. And before we go, we definitely want to encourage everyone to check out all of our podcasts at ghlf.org backslash listen.
0: And don't forget to email us at podcasts at ghlf.org if you have any questions, comments, or episode topics. Well, everyone, thanks for listening to The Health Advocates, a podcast that breaks down major health news of the week to help you make sense of it all. If you like this episode, please give us a reading and write a review on Apple Podcasts. And definitely hit that subscribe button wherever you listen. I'm Zoe ross
1: I'm Stephen Newmark. We'll see you next time. Be
0: inspired, supported, and empowered. This is the Global Healthy Living Foundation Podcast Network.